Mesech's Arla Perik Aleph Mishnah Zayin until Perik Beis Mishnah Aleph. The Torah commands V'arautem Arlosayas Periyai. And you shall treat the fruit of a tree during its first three years as Arla. And because the Torah specified the fruit of the tree, we learn from there that the other parts of the plant, even if they are edible, since they aren't the actual fruit of the tree, they will not be forbidden as Arla. For example, He'olim, the leaves, the halulovim, and the shoots, Omegaphonim, and the liquid which emerges from vines. If one cuts branches of vines during certain parts of the year, some liquid would seep out of them. Vasmoda, and the buds on the tree, which will eventually turn into the fruit, Matorim Ba'arla, are permitted when it comes to Arla. As well as that, Uvaravari, they would also be permitted during the fourth year of the fruit. In general, the fourth year of a fruit tree's life, all of the fruit which grow during that year are considered Netaravoi, so it has to be eaten in Yerushalayim. But again, the Torah says Kolpiriyai, all of its fruit are obligated in Yerushalayim, which implies that the other parts of the tree, even if they are edible, are not applicable to the laws of Netaravoi. As well as that, these parts of the tree are permitted for a Nazir to eat. A Nazir is somebody who accepts upon himself a vow to become a Nazir, and he has certain prohibitions, one of those prohibitions being that he is not allowed to have any grapes or any products of grapes. So he can't have the skins, he can't have wine. However, this mission is telling us that he can consume other parts of the vine. For example, the leaves or the buds, since they are not the products of the grapes themselves, a Nazir may consume that. However, Vasurim Bashira. All these parts of the trees would be forbidden when it comes to an Asherah tree. An Asherah is a tree which has been worshipped for the sake of idolatry, and the Torah says that it's forbidden to benefit from such a tree, and and nothing will stick in your hand, meaning you cannot benefit from any of the tree. The Torah specifically says that the entire tree is forbidden to benefit from, and therefore all the aforementioned parts of the tree would be forbidden if that tree had been worshipped for the sake of idolatry. Now, Rabbi Yossi argues on one of these parts of the tree, and that is the bud. Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yossi says, has Samadar Osir, the Samadar would be forbidden for all of those things, so for Orla and Netaravoi, and for a Nozir. The buds of the tree are classed in the same category as the fruit themselves, Neshu Peri, because the bud is considered a fruit, since the bud is just the beginning of what the fruit will be, so this is just an early young fruit, and therefore whatever prohibitions apply to the fruit of a tree will apply to the buds as well, according to Rabbi Yossi. Now, in order for one to make cheese, he requires certain substances which he needs to add to the milk in order to curdle the milk, and that's one of the processes which you do to milk on the way to turning it into cheese. Now, one thing which can be used to do this is the sap of a tree, the liquid which exudes from a tree trunk and other parts of the tree, and that was often added to the milk in order to make it into cheese. So, Rebeliezer says, Hamamid bisrafa orla, one who does this process to milk, using the sap of an orla tree. Also, that cheese will be forbidden to benefit from, since according to Rebeliezer, this sap, this liquid of the tree, is considered like the fruit of the tree. It's something which is produced by the tree, it's used in food production, it's edible, and therefore it's considered like the fruit of the tree. However, Omar Yeshua, Rabbi Yeshua says, Shomati Befeirush, I heard explicitly a clear teaching from my teachers, Shahamamid Bishrafai Olim, the one who does this process to milk, using the sap of the leaves of the tree, or Bishrafai Karim, or the sack of the roots of the tree. In that case, Mutter, the cheese will be permitted still, since that sap is not considered like the fruit. However, Bishrafai Pagim, 
the sap which comes out of the unripe fruit of the tree. So since it anyway comes from the fruit, that sap is considered like the fruit. It comes from within the fruit. So in that case also, in that case the cheese will be forbidden, because that sap is considered like the fruit of the tree. But sap which comes from other parts of the tree will just be considered like that part of the tree. So just like leaves are exempt from Arla, so to the sap which comes out of the leaves would also be exempt from Arla. Since fruit are the forbidden part of the tree when it comes to Arla, all parts of the fruit, even if they're not the main part of the fruit, or even if they're damaged, they will still be obligated in Arla. And therefore, on Kuklis, grapes which were damaged after they had grown somewhat, but before they had grown a third of their growth. But they had already grown somewhat, so they are considered a fruit already. And the inside pits of grapes, and the grape skins, and their temed. Temed is a mixture which was made from adding water to all the leftover parts of the grapes. So the skins and the pits. After the grapes had been squeezed into wine, all the leftover parts were mixed with water until the water had a wine-like taste. And so temed was a bit like diluted wine. Be it as it may, all the four things we just mentioned are fruit products. Klippe rimoin the skin, the shell of a pomegranate vanitschelei, and the flower on top of the pomegranate fruit. Klippe agazim, the shells of walnuts vahagarinim, and the inside pips of all fruit. All of these things are forbidden when it comes to Arla, since they're all considered parts of the fruit, or products of the fruit, or secondary parts which are connected to the fruit. And when the Torah forbids Arla, it says S period. It's fruit are forbidden, but it adds the word S. And whenever the word S is used in the Torah, the rule is that it comes to include something else. So in this case, it includes secondary parts of the fruit, as we just listed. Now, as well as this, Uva all these parts of the fruit and the tree are forbidden on an Asherah tree. As we learned in the previous Mishnah, every single part of the tree is forbidden when it comes to Asherah. The Torah says you cannot benefit from any of it. Uva Nozer, and when it comes to a Nozer, he's not allowed to consume any of the first four things on the list. Products of grapes. Even though the pips aren't necessarily edible, the Torah says that anything which comes out of grapes, or any part of grapes, is forbidden to consume, even if it is not considered regular food. On the other hand, in Matarim Baravoi, the things listed are permitted when it comes to Netaravoi, meaning you don't need to bring it up and eat it in Yerushalayim. The reason being that Netaravoi has the same halachas as Maishasheni, which is a tenth of one's produce which he has to separate and take up to Yerushalayim and eat himself. So just like Maishasheni, the Torah says, only applies to edible food, the same goes for Netaravoi. And the Mishnah ends off with the Hanoivlois, fruit which falls off a tree before it ripens. And we're talking about where it falls off after it grew to a third of its growth. So since it grew a significant amount, it's considered like any other fruit, and therefore Kulomasurais, all of these cases, be it Netaravoi, be it Asherah, be it Anozer, or be it Arla, all of those prohibitions would apply to unripe fruit, as long as it grew to a third of its growth. Mishnah test, since the prohibition of Orla only applies to fruit and the parts of the fruit, the trunk of the tree and the various branches which don't have any fruit growing on them are permitted. And because of that, Rabbi Yasi says, Note in Yechreshel Orla, one is allowed to plant a branch of an Orla tree, he can cut off the branch and plant it in the ground, thus benefiting from it, since it is in no shape or form considered a fruit. On the other hand, they note in Egeshel Orla, one is not allowed to plant a nut from an Orla tree, i.e. from the first three years of a tree's life, because a nut is just a form of a fruit. 
so you cannot benefit from the gnat by planting it. Now we saw in Mishnah Zion that according to Rabbi Yaisi, the bud of a tree, which in the future will turn into the fruit, is already considered a fruit even at its bud stage. It's just the first stage of the fruit, which means that just like it's forbidden to benefit from the fruit of an arla tree, so too it's forbidden to benefit from the bud in the first three years of a tree's life. And because of that, says Rabbi Yaisi, v'emarkivim b'chafniyos shal arla, one is not allowed to graft branches containing date buds, buds which will turn into dates in the future, if that branch is part of an arla tree. Grafting is when you would take one branch of a tree and tie it together with a branch of another tree. And since this branch contains buds, and buds are considered the actual fruit according to BAC, it is forbidden to graft that branch, since that would be considered benefiting from an arla tree. The focus of the second parak of the Masechta is the subject of taruvus, which literally means mixtures, and taruvus refers to mixtures of permitted substances together with forbidden substances. And the main topic of discussion is how much more permitted substance than forbidden substances there have to be in order to nullify the forbidden substance and permit the entire mixture. Now there are two different types of taruvus. One is known as lach balach, which literally means something which is wet, mixed with something which is wet. So if a liquid is mixed with a liquid, and the same would really apply to solids as well, if the solids absorb taste from each other, so they're really mixed in together properly. So those sort of mixtures would be forbidden if the forbidden food in there, or the forbidden liquid, gives off its taste to the permitted liquid. So if you can taste the forbidden thing in that mixture, then the entire mixture is considered forbidden like the forbidden food. And that's called nesim tam when it gives off its taste. Now in general, for most liquids, or for most lach balach cases, if at least one sixtieth of the mixture is the forbidden food, or the forbidden liquid, then it does give off its taste. But if it's less than a sixtieth, then it doesn't, so it will be permitted. Now the second type of taruvus is yovish biyovish, which literally means something dry mixed with something dry, and it refers to two solids which are mixed together, and they don't absorb each other's taste. And so when it comes to yovish biyovish taruvus, it doesn't depend on being one sixtieth of the mixture, of being nascent tam, giving off its taste, rather there are different amounts given. And so the mission begins, hatruma, and this refers to trumagdoilo, which is the gift which is given to koyanim from one's produce, astrumas maisa, Trumas Maisa is another gift which is given to the Kayanim, and what the process would be is that the farmer would give a levy a tenth of his produce as Maiserishan, and the levy has to separate a tenth of that, which is really a hundredth of the original produce, and he has to give that to a Kohen, and that is called Trumas Maisa. And the Mishnah says, even if shall demai, even if the Trumas Maisa is from produce which was demai, demai is the name for produce which is bought from an ignorant person who is not trusted with regards to tithes, and when one buys produce from a ignorant person, he's obligated to tithe it again out of doubt, in case the original owner did not tithe it. The exception to that is Trumagdoila, because everybody, even ignorant people, did separate Trumagdoila, but not Trumas Maisa, and therefore if you buy Demai produce, that means you buy produce from an ignorant person, you need to separate Trumas Maisa out of doubt. So when you give that to the Kohen, it's only possibly Trumas Maisa, because if the ignorant person had already tied the produce, then you didn't actually have to. So it comes out that what you separated is not really Trumas Maisa. But as we're going to see, even Trumas Maisa, which is only possible Trumas Maisa, can forbid a mixture in the same way as regular Trumas Maisa can. Alright, as well as that, hachala. Hachala is the portion of dough which is given to a Kohen. And fourthly, the habikurim, which is the first fruit which ripen on a tree. 
and that is brought up to the Beis Hamikdash, and once again it is given to a Kohen. So these are the four gifts which are given to a Kohen, and the Torah refers to all of them as Truma. Although we only refer to two of them as Truma, the Torah actually calls all of them Truma. And because of that, they all have very similar halachas. And the one which we're concerned about is the fact that Olim they are nullified one in a hundred. Meaning, if they, if let's say Truma is mixed with Chulin, Chulin refers to regular unsanctified produce, which is permitted for anybody to eat. So if Truma is mixed with Chulin, then the entire mixture becomes forbidden unless there is a hundred times more Chulin than Truma. And the reason for this exact number is as follows. As we said before, Trumas Maisa is one hundredth of the original produce. A farmer separates a tenth of it, gives it to a levy, and the levy separates a tenth of the tenth, and gives that as Trumas Maisa to a Kohen. So Trumas Maisa is one tenth of the original mixture. Now it is learnt out of Pasukim that if the Trumas Maisa which was separated from the original produce, after you separate the Trumas Maisa out of the produce, it falls back into the original produce. So the Torah implies that it would forbid the entire produce for non-Kohanim because there's now a portion of that mixture which can only be eaten by a Kohen, and if you're not sure which part of the mixture it is, then the entire mixture is forbidden. Now that is a case where one unit of Trumas Maisa fell back into the original produce. Now Trumas Maisa is one hundredth of the original produce, so if it falls back in, that means it's falling back into 99 units of non-Truma. So in that case, if Truma falls into 99 permitted items, permitted units, then it's forbidden. So we learn from there that if it falls into a mixture containing more permitted units, i.e. instead of 99 there are 100 permitted units, then the mixture will be permitted. And the truma is nullified, and so we learn from there that if trumus maisa is mixed together with 100 times more chulin, unsanctified produce, then the trumus maisa is nullified and the whole mixture will be permitted. Now because the other three things are also called truma, the same applies to them, and therefore for example if chala were to fall into 100 times more chulin, then that as well will be nullified, and even non-Karnim will be able to eat from that mixture. And the Mishnah adds that since all of these four things, Trumma, Trumas, Maisel, Chala, and Bekurim, are forbidden to the same degree, and they're all called Trumma, so when it's Tarfin, Zayim, Zeh, they combine together with each other. So if, let's say, you've got a hundred units of Chulin, and half a unit of Trumma, plus half a unit of Chala, plus half a unit of Bekurim, let's say. So if you view each one by itself, there's enough chulin to nullify the truma and the chala and the bakurim. However, we do combine them, and therefore there's one and a half units of forbidden substances there, which means that there is not 100 times more chulin than the forbidden substances, and so it will forbid the entire mixture for non-kayanim. Now the Mishnah adds that even in a case where the truma is nullified, and the same goes for the other things like chala and bakurim, even though it's nullified, one still needs to lift out of that mixture the amount of truma which fell in. And you have to lift that out of the mixture, even though the one you're picking out is not necessarily the truma one, you do have to pick one out or however many truma fell in and give that to a Kohen. The reason being that if you don't do that, then the Kohen will end up losing out because you mixed his truma with some chulin, and you can't cause a loss to the Kohen, and therefore however much truma is in the mixture, you'll need to pick that amount out of the mixture and give it to a Kohen. Now the Mishnah goes on to a second list, and that is Ha'orla v'Klea Kerem. Orla, fruit of a tree during its first three years, and Klea Kerem is when another species is planted in a vineyard. Now as you mentioned early on in the Masechta, not only is it forbidden to eat these two substances, it's also forbidden to benefit from Orla or Klea Kerem. So there are two prohibitions involved in Orla and Klea Kerem. Whereas when it comes to Truma and those in that group, 
it's only forbidden to eat it, but you're allowed to benefit from it. When it comes to these two, it's firstly forbidden to eat it, and it's got a second prohibition, and that is to benefit from it. So it comes out that the prohibition of Orla and Kleakerem is double that of Truma. And because of that, whereas Truma is nullified in one in a hundred, Orla and Kleakerem, are only nullified if they are mixed one in two hundred permitted units. And the Mishnah adds that in its Torah from Zemzeh, Orla and Kleakerem can combine to prohibit a mixture, as we explained above, because since Orla and Kleakerem are forbidden to the same degree, they would combine together. Now, in a case where there is enough chulin to be mevatel to nullify the orlo or the Kleakerem, the Ein Lahorim one does not need to take out any of that mixture in order to give it to anybody, because when it comes to truma, so whatever truma fell into the mixture, you have to take out that amount from the mixture and give it to a coin, because otherwise you'd be causing a loss to the coin. But when it comes to Orla and Kleakerem, those aren't gifts to anybody, they're forbidden for everyone. So if they're nullified, there's no use in taking one out and giving it to someone, because there is no one to give it to. It's not like truma in that regard. Now everybody agrees, as we learned towards the beginning of the Mishnah, that Truma Chalo Bekurim and Truma Smaisa would combine in a mixture. We consider that all like one forbidden substance, because they're nullified in the same amount, and they are all called Truma. However, when it comes to Ola and Kleakerim, it's not so simple. According to the Tanakama, since they're forbidden to the same degree, they do combine. However, Rabbi Shimon, Omer, Rabbi Shimon says, Ein they do not combine, since they're two totally different prohibitions. They don't have the same name. This is known as Shnei Shemais, which literally means two names, and it refers to two different prohibitions. And according to Rabbi Shimon, two different prohibitions cannot combine, and Arab Eliezer takes the middle approach. Rabbi Eliezer, Omer, Rabbi Eliezer says, Mitztorfin, Ola and Kleakerem can combine Benesin Ta'am when it comes to giving off a taste. As we mentioned at the beginning of the Mishnah, in Taruvus of Lach Belach, when a liquid is mixed with another liquid, or foods which absorb taste from each other, so then if one sixtieth of the mixture is a forbidden substance, then it gives off a taste to the mixture, and therefore it's forbidden. Now since in a Lach Belach mixture, it depends on taste, so if the Ola and the Kleakerem have the same taste, then they do combine, because it's all dependent on taste. So even though they are different prohibitions, if they both have the same taste, then they do combine. However, Avalulesar, they don't combine when it comes to forbidding a mixture of Yovish by Yovish. Because in a mixture of foods which don't absorb from each other, it's not dependent on whether they get taste, because they don't absorb taste. Rather, it's only dependent on whether there's 200 times more Chulin than Orla, or 200 times more Chulin than Kleakerem. But since there, it's not at all to do with taste, so even if the Ola and the Kleakerem have the same taste, it doesn't matter. So since we don't go after taste, we focus more on the prohibition itself, and since they are two different prohibitions, they do not combine to forbid the mixture, and therefore as long as there is 200 times more Chulin than the Orla by itself, and the Kleakerem by itself, then the whole mixture will be considered permitted for anybody to eat the entire mixture.